Happy, happy holidays to all you pinball fanatics out there. In the spirit of the holidays, let's stop mudslinging at each other and let's do a positive show where we talk about pinball and what we love about pinball, all right? I think you're going to love this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. CEO Dave is going to return and we're going to talk about Jersey Jack Pinball and give our assessment of JJP. And I think you're going to find it really interesting. I think you're going to uh, find it very intriguing where we net out on our recommendation for Jersey Jack Pinball. Okay, and it's going to be pretty positive. This isn't going to be like a negative, like slamming of a company, all right? Now, that being said, let's do a quick sort of roundup of the news and then we'll air the interview with CEO Dave. How does that sound? Let's jump right into it. American Pinball, there is new code for Houdini. So if you are in on a Houdini, there is version 18.12.12 code that went live this week. Uh, and that code is going to have a lot of new updates in the game. So make sure you take a look for that. Um, if you are in on an Oktoberfest and are waiting to see what the final game will look like, we're in the same boat as the rest of you. We don't know what the final version of the game is. I think they're going to have to show it soon, though, because as we've said, people are buying the game currently and distributors are selling it, but we still don't know a few things, like what's the final art package. We know some of the shot geometry has is being worked on and some of the animations are being worked on as well. So I think we'll see that in January. Um, anything else from American Pinball? I think that is it. Spooky Pinball. There is new code out for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. There's just one problem. Like nobody has their Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle games. We are still waiting. People are still waiting. Uh, I don't know what the delay is, but there has to be a delay with, with a part or with something going on. Uh, so, look, we hope you guys get your game soon. I, I really just wanted to see people play this game and get more of them out there. And people have waited a long time because, remember, this game was shown in March of 2018. So uh, we were, what, eight, nine months since this game was revealed and people are still waiting on their Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles. All right, what else is going on? Let's go over to Stern Pinball. So a lot of news over at Stern. Uh, Stern is really giving people a lot of holiday treats this year in pinball. Remember the number one thing that was always the biggest thing you had to wait for was like code updates. And we talked a little bit about how they've been dropping code on so many titles recently. Well, this week, for the people out there who waited two years for their Batman Super Limited Edition games to get custom SLE callouts, their prayers were finally answered. Stern dropped a nice little holiday treat for everybody with new Batman code. Now, it's not just the SLE code update. There was also uh, a new code update, 1.02 from Lyman. Now, I think the most interesting part is that the SLE owners finally get their Adam West personalized callout. Now, he, I want to walk you through my experience with this because uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to get Adam West custom callout put into my game. As you know, I, I, brought, I bought Chris Marquette's game from Cointaker. His name is Chris. My name is Chris. So the serial number associated with his game is also uh, the same name as me. So it, I was hopeful that I would get it. Now, here's, here's what happened. Back in November, Stern asked people to email them uh, proof of ownership, not, you know, the serial number of your game and 
and, and I think a picture of you next to your game or, or the year or anniversary of your game. I don't know how they quite did this, but apparently the SLE callouts recognize each individual game. And I know someone uploaded all the different Adam West callouts of all the different names of all the different owners, right? It's like 80 different names he recorded. So when the code dropped, I updated it. Now, when you update it, you have to go into the menu system and change SLE speech from off to on. So I turned it on. And then I spent a few minutes this morning with Brenda, probably like 10 minutes, trying to get it to work. And so the way you're supposed to do it is when you're trying to pick up the bat phone, it says in the readme file that it's 15 seconds and then you will hear the custom call out, right? I, I shit you not, Brenda and I spent probably like eight games trying to do it. Now what's really hard at times when you're trying to not, it's like you're trying not to pick up the bat phone is, is, is waiting 15 seconds. Like we were trying to just trap the ball, but we kept fucking picking up the bat phone. Um, and, and, and I was bummed out. I thought it didn't work. I even sent an email uh, to the Stern customer service saying, hey, like, I don't know what's, what's the deal here. And then I reached out to another Batman SLE owner and he said that you have to sort of delay the bat phone being picked up. And so I took the glass off the machine just to see if it was me, not, not you know, Stern's update. And sure enough, sure enough, if you start bat phone hurry up and you hit the commissioner Gordon target a couple times and you delay picking up the bat phone, here's what I heard in my game. Chris, get the bat phone. So like a two-year wait for a two-second call out from Adam West, but I have to say this, it's really cool. It is really cool that Adam West did all these personalized call outs for everyone. I'm glad it works in my machine. I also want to let you out there who have one of these machines know that it plays that more than just once. It's not only one time a boot up, um, but uh, but the 15 second wait is the big issue because it w it felt like it was more than 15 seconds waiting to pick up the bad phone to hear the call out. Now at first I was like, why don't they just have Adam West say it immediately when you have to pick up the bad phone? And I here's here's what I think Lyman was doing. He was trying to make it a little bit of an Easter egg treat so that you sort of have to hit the commissioner Gordon button a couple times before you get this nice little treat to play for you. Um, it's cool, and I think it's also indicative of, of the ability to add in a few personalized touches into the code that make owners of the machine feel special. And I know, right, isn't that crazy? Just a two-second call-out all of a sudden makes everyone who owns that game um, feel more connected to it and feel like they want to keep it and, call, and, and never let it go. I, I, and, and this is what I've, you know, I've been trying to get across on a lot of my shows, is I think the ability to use code in a way to make people's emotional connection to the game enhanced and more personalized, uh, there should be more of that. There should be definitely, definitely more of that. I mean, how hard is it to do what they just did? It, it didn't seem too hard, uh, but I think they had to wait until the end of all these code updates to work it in. All right, so super cool thing there. What else is going on at Stern Pinball? Uh, let's see, there is new Deadpool code as well. So if you own a Deadpool, go check that out. Primus Pinball machines are shipping. Uh, so if you ordered a Primus Pinball machine, they are starting to go out, which again, 
it's amazing that Stern is getting people not just one game, but two games uh, before the Christmas holiday. So Beatles and Primus are going out the door. Uh, there was one issue that I can't ignore. Uh, one of the first owners who opened up their Primus machine, uh, 21 plays into the game, his left flipper broke. Like It looked like it sheared off the metal, like just a cheap part. And so that is concerning to see a game break a flipper like that, especially on Primus because the Woe Nelly game, the game, the ball doesn't get moving that fast on that title. So hopefully, hopefully this is not indicative of, of, of bad parts across the board and maybe he just got a, a bad part. All right. Speaking of waiting, waiting over a year for something, finally, it seems that the R2-D2 topper is ready to find its home on top of people's Star Wars pinball machines. It's $500. There's a picture of it on Pinside. You can see it. It sort of just looks like R2-D2's head, and then there's this metallic base. There's not really that much design on it. I was a little disappointed. and I wish they would have sculpted around it a plastic X-Wing sort of look, right? Is an X-Wing, right? Yeah, it, the Luke's X-Wing ship. So um, it, it, it just looks barren, <laughs> like it's sitting on top of, of, of metal and not in, at the back of Luke's ship, which I think they could have made it look a little bit nicer. I saw people were complaining about exposed screws, like there's an exposed screw right on R2-D2. Uh, here's the thing. When it comes to exposed screws, Stern Pinball is the best at, at exposing as many screws as possible. I mean, I'm even looking at my Batman topper and there are exposed screws all over the place. I do love the Iron Maiden topper, uh, but for 500 bucks, will you want this on top of your game? I think Star Wars people still will want it on top of the game. It's freaking R2-D2, and I think he projects something through his lens, which is going to be freaking cool. Uh, it's it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, and I've said this before. I do think Stern should have a separate topper division t in pinball. That there should be a team that is solely responsible for making the toppers because when they when they nail the topper, they're going to sell hundreds of them for 500 bucks a pop. And I kind of feel like the toppers are an afterthought. Like they're, they're sort of worked on, but there's never really a ton of focus on the topper. And I think most pinball collectors do like having a topper on top of their game. The other thing is this. I do think toppers should be worked into coding more and into the game more. They're, they're just not. It, it's like that is a nice piece of real estate and that is a mechanical thing that you can put on top of the game that could actually interact with the game itself. I mean, let me just let me just give you an example. How cool would it be if a topper could actually like shine a little like laser down on the play field and tell you where to shoot? What's happening here? Is Canada giving marketing ideas to pinball companies that no one will ever implement? I think he is. I think he is. All right. What else is going on here? Um, uh, this is something interesting. I walked into a bar. I was going to see the new Spider-Man movie, which is incredible. I was walking into a bar, and up on ESPN, there was a TV commercial. And I look up on the TV commercial, and there's Gary Stern and George Gomez 
on this TV commercial. I'm not making this up. And it was like a TV commercial for, I think it was like a maker company. And they were talking about, you know, making pinball in Chicago, Illinois. And I literally turned to Brendan like, I, I can't escape pinball. I, 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 I don't know what's going on. It's just, it follows me everywhere. All right. So what else, what else do I want to talk about? So let's talk about yada, 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 Jersey Jack pinball. Okay. So we're going to talk a lot about Jersey Jack on this show. So I'm not going to go too much into depth. I, I, I get it. I get on my last show that I was pretty strident and saying stuff like there should be a cannon and this and that and pirates and yada, yada, yada. Okay. I'll do better in the future not to be too negative and strident. I'm not, I'm not going to hold punches. You know me on this show. But here's the thing. I do mean this from, from like the bottom of my heart that I do want Jersey Jack Pinball to be very successful. I think they have the capacity to build the best pinball machines in modern times. Um, but there are just those things, you know, there's those, those head-scratching things that I just don't understand, like making people, you know, drill their own holes on their topper in, in the collector's edition of Pirates of the Caribbean CE. Like oversights like that, they, they, it continues to make me feel like um, they're just getting some of these important details wrong, all right? Now, speaking of the only bit of news that we're not gonna talk about in the interview with CEO Dave is the topper, speaking of toppers, right? The topper for the collector's edition of Pirates of the Caribbean is causing a real issue. And you know what the issue is? It's too freaking loud. Like the owners are complaining that this thing is making so much noise that when they play their game, it's actually distracting them to the point where they want to unplug the topper itself. Now, I'm going to play for you right now on Canada's Pinball Podcast what the topper sound is for Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition topper. And this is not a fake thing. This is the actual sound coming from the topper. Let me know if you could live with this. It sort of reminds me like that movie Contact with Jodie Foster where, where that's the sound the alien race is, is, is using to beam the schematics for the, the space traveling time machine, right? Um, yeah, it's really loud. And so people are frustrated. Now this makes two items on Pirates of the Caribbean that have been extremely loud in terms of the noise they're making. One was the spinning discs in the middle of the play field, and now this topper. And you know, Yellow Bird over on Pinside, if you don't know this guy, he makes probably the best mods out of everyone out there. They're incredible. He made all the amazing mods in my Batman. He actually made a new version of the the gears for the spinning map in, in Pirates of the Caribbean to make it quieter. And he's also now looking at this thing and saying, how can we make it quieter? And my, my final point is this. It's like this to me, when they had a year to get this game right, I, I just think it's, it's, it's things like this that just shouldn't have to be modded by the community. I'm all for modding a game, but when people have to start modding the mechanical gears on a topper or in a spinning disc, consumers should not have to do that. You shouldn't pay $12,500 and have to start like rebuilding your game. The pinball company should get it right the first time. That's that's my point. And I get sometimes I say that negatively and I, I say it too stridently, but I mean that. I just think you guys out there who spend all this money on these games, they should arrive from the pinball company without you having to rebuild items. 
because of stuff like this. All right. All right, what else is going on in pinball? So before we air the interview, one interesting game went up for sale uh, that, that I saw that, that I know people were talking about, and that is there is actually a Big Bang bar from back in, not the original ones, but the remakes that were made, number 151 that's still new in box that popped up for sale on Pinside. The asking price, $25,000 for a new in box Big Bang Bar. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. What is the price of that game once you open the box and play it, right? Because we know that Big Bang Bars in good condition, because they're all in good condition, only collectors have these machines. They sell for about like $15,000, maybe maybe a little bit less than that. So the second you open up the box, you're losing $10,000. Now, is it worth ten grand to have a pristine version of this game? Now, the big issue, the biggest issue of them all is this game is going to be remade by Chicago Gaming Company and it's going to have a nicer LCD. And the rumor is that they're also going to improve the code, which might you know, be a little too Spartan for most. I don't know, but we at least know we're going to get a better version of Big Bang Bar in the, in, you know, in the next year or so. I say year or so, I don't know. Chicago Gaming, no one knows their schedule, but we know that they, they, are, they said it themselves, they're remaking Big Bang Bar. So you, you just have to have to want it now to spend 25k it, it is an or best offer listing uh, but if i were to price a new inbox big bang bar just me personally i don't think i'd pay more than like maybe 16,000 for it uh, i think i just wouldn't go near it i i i just, you know it's even like when i see cars with low mileage why would you buy one that is too the, the miles are so low that you never want to drive it I think when you buy something used, sometimes it's nice to like be able to enjoy it. And I only say that with these like super high-end collectibles. Like, you know, when you buy a car, like a, let's say you buy like an Acura Integra Type R with like 10,000 original miles on it and you pay like 60 grand for it because there are no other ones out there with so low mileage. Uh, do you drive it or you just collect it? You probably would just collect it. Anyway. You don't want to hear about cars. You want to hear CEO Dave and Canada talk about Jersey Jack Pinball. I give it to you right now. Before I air it, I just want to say happy holidays, everybody. A lot of negative stuff being said about me and this and that. Look, I'm not that bad of a guy. All right. I get it. I get it. I'm passionate about the same thing you are. But some of the stuff people say about me, I got to be honest, it it hurts. It, it like literally the, the personal attacks, the level at which they get to uh, isn't really fun to read. Uh, and, 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 and again, I just like pinball the way you do. And we, we can have a dialogue about it. We can get heated about it. We can call games and things happening in games, this and that. But when you actually start calling people in a personal way, really derogatory things, I just think it sucks. It sucks. And we don't have to do that, all right? All right. And if I do it, I'll do my best to eliminate that. All right, guys? Is that fair? Here's CEO Dave and Canada talking about JJP. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast CEO Dave for round two of our SWOT analysis of pinball manufacturers. You might have heard our first analysis of Stern Pinball. On this episode, we are going to try to get through two companies. I know we talked a lot about Stern, but it only makes sense 
we're going to try and get through Jersey Jack pinball and spooky pinball. Do you think we can do it, Dave, in like an hour? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me back, Chris. Ah, any any time. <laughs> you know, you know me. I mean, I'm as people say, I'm, uh, they think I'm desperate for guests on this show, but I, I can do it. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. I'm excited to do it. Let's let's uh, JJP and Spooky. Let, let's go. Let's let's jump right in. So Jersey Jack pinball. We're gonna go into our SWOT analysis of Jersey Jack. Our strength, our weakness, our opportunities, and our threats. So why don't you kick off? With JJP, what do you think the strengths are of Jersey Jack Pinball? Okay, great. Um, for me, I think we're going to probably be in agreement. I think highest quality games in the market, no doubt. Um, leader in innovation, I would argue. Um, you know, with a lot of work they did on Dialed In, I do think they're pushing the envelope. Um, and you know, if we look at the company, they do have the design and engineering talent they need to be successful, right? And so. Right. I think those are three key strengths for, for Jack. Right. I agree with all of those. I, I, I want to try and add some to your strengths list here. So I think another strength for Jersey Jack Pinball, I think they have a really loyal buyer base. And I think they've got this like army of people that only want to buy Jersey Jack games. right? And I think that that army has yet this gets a little bit into the opportunity, but they've yet to sort of had that you know, one game where, where where they could convert everyone into the army. But I think having that loyal base is really important um, and a strength for Jersey Jack. I also think Jersey Jack being named after Jersey Jack is a strength. I think Jack is a personality that helps them. I, I do I, I do mean that because whenever Jack is at shows, for the most part, I think he's a good salesman. I think he's very charismatic. And I do like hearing from him. I think he has a great personality and sense of humor. And I like that he um, can connect with people very well. So I think that's a big strength for the company. Um, being in New Jersey, not maybe that's a weakness. I'm not going to go into weaknesses. <laughs> um, I think you're right, though. I do agree that they... I think Jersey Jack, for most people, represents the the one company that's trying to make the greatest pinball machines on the planet. I think they approach pinball with the attitude of how great can we make this game, not how can we get the price to a certain point. I think they're really looking to do stuff that hasn't been done before in pinball, and I think that is a strength that they have sort of that drive to be the best pinball game on planet Earth. So I think that's definitely um what jersey jack stands for so I, yeah. dave weaknesses of jersey jack pinball do you want to go first or would you rather i started yeah i can go first um okay. so i think jersey jack's biggest weaknesses are they are first i think their theme selection just leaves a lot to be desired in my book and i and i think uh, it's pretty clear that they haven't really had that one pinball theme that is a have-to-have for the kinds of people who buy pinball machines. Uh, production delays are probably, if not their biggest weakness, their second biggest weakness. You can't make people wait like a year after you reveal a game, sometimes two years with some of their titles to get their games. Uh, I think the showing a game early and then removing features from that game has been another thing that has been a, a weakness for Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, 
I'm trying to think, you know, because I, I do love their games, and I think the themes are the biggest issue for me uh, and that, that have prevented me from buying a Jersey Jack game. Uh, I, I also would think that Jack's weakness is, he, I think he's got a, a small bench to pick from, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the five designers. Doesn't have, I don't even know who an artist is at Jersey Jack Pinball. I don't think he has a deep bench uh, to help them get these games made faster or even to come up with different kinds of ideas when they're when they're concepting the games i, I think jack's team is is small which put, puts them at a disadvantage when when compared to stern um so i'll stop i'll stop there with with those weaknesses with jersey jack yep i i, I couldn't agree with you more i think i might add three to that um which is like they definitely have not figured out manufacturing at scale to, to your point like not only do they not have a deep bench <clears throat> but they haven't proven that they can manufacture sort of consistently on time at scale and and i think that that is a real weakness um i do i don't know much about their corporate structure but you know we have sort of met at these conventions the angel investor that, that jack had brought in <clears throat> and i do think it's a little bit of a weakness to be reliant on a on a sole angel investor no matter how deep that person's pockets might be to be reliant on that angel investor to, to stay afloat right like i don't think jack is probably profitable um at this point and so he's probably reliant on that investor um and then lastly I don't know if you would agree with this, Chris, but I think Jack is a good salesman. Uh, I think you're right. Um, I I don't think he's the operational CEO they need, right? Like if you look at sort of announcing stuff a little too soon or maybe chasing the operator market that he's been passionate about or going after certain themes or allowing Pat Lawler to kind of explore um, his own sort of new original IP, I think Jack is a good salesman. I think he's a good evangelist. I don't know if he's the operational CEO they need. And I know right. they had a president recently, so I don't know what that guy did, but that may be a gap in the organization. Well, and they, they had a CEO, too, who stepped down or was fired um, a few months ago. Here's, here's the way I look at it. Jack is like Gary Stern, right? Who's their George Gomez? Right. That's what they need. They they need the George Gomez who understands how to work with the designers, how to work with the coders, how, to, how you know how to. They need to understand that the the side of the business to keep it profitable, but they also need to understand pinball, so that that person is making the key decisions and the executive decisions to make that game sellable and mm-hmm. and viable within the market. And 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 I always use the example of. When Keith Johnson walks into the room and says, we're going to let you choose between 22 characters to start the game. What? Like, where's the guy that's like, are you crazy, dude? Like, no way are we doing that. And yet, I think what Jack does is he lets everybody have a lot of freedom. But I do think there's just a, a lack of someone who's like making the right executive decisions to make the products uh, the best they can possibly be. Um, and I think the angel investor point you made, Dave, is, is super important because as we all know, he could just wake up one day and be tired of losing money on every title and the right. company's gone tomorrow. Right. 
I think that's right. And, you know, there's a lot of people forecasting we'll see a downturn um, in 2019 or maybe 2020. And so what happens when his discretionary funds shrink? You know, like, will he still be willing to invest in this? Like, who knows? To add a few more weaknesses just to the mix, uh, I, I don't think the artwork at Jersey Jack Pinball is on the same level as Stern. And I think, and I, and I think they need to. Uh, maybe that's part of getting the deeper bench. But I, I definitely think the art packages uh, are not as good as we're getting at, at Stern these days. And if, and I, and I do think Jack is a more of a premium product. So I think they, they need to sort of step the game up a little bit in, in that department. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I would agree. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about like opportunities? Like if you look at the the company for 2019, like what do you think are sort of opportunities in, in front of them? Right. Well, look, I think the opportunity for Jersey Jack pinball is tremendous. I, I think out of all the pinball companies out there, this is the one company that is just at the gates of success and they just are waiting to put the right theme out into the pinball world. They, I, I think an opportunity for them because the innovations there, the toys are there, the quality's there, the you know the the LCD screen is there in, in its large format. They they have all the pieces right, but they've never assembled them within the right package. I think the closest they got was definitely the Wizard of Oz for sure. But I I do I think we've kind of every game since Wizard of Oz has always to me felt like it's 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 missed the mark. Um, and and I think the opportunity for these guys is to to give us the right theme at the right time, and I think they're going to have a huge hit. I, I also think there's an opportunity for Jersey Jack Pinball to even go a little bit more up market, and by that I mean get rid of this nonsense with like we're making 1,000 LE machines. Right? There's nothing limited about 1,000. I think they make a premium product, but I feel like they. I feel like they they operate in this way where they feel pressure to keep the price at a certain point. And I almost feel like they're resisting what they really need to do and charge accordingly for how much more they're putting in a machine than Stern is. If I look at a Stern machine for $9,000 and then Pirates of the Caribbean LE for roughly the same price, right? Maybe it's $500 more. If I'm the angel investor, I'm like, what are we doing? Totally. Why are we charging the same amount when our game is like a Rolls Royce compared to theirs? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like you had made the comment previously that I, I don't think Jack should compete with Stern, right? Like I don't think he should think about Stern as his competitor. And I, I don't think he should chase like markets like the operators like i think jack should really focus on i am a high-end direct-to-consumer collectible company right and i i think you're right like stern has proven there is room to go up in the market jack's got the innovation um and the passion to sort of capture that that high ground if you will like I, i think you're right there's a real opportunity to potentially even like lower volume but increase your margin by upping the prices into that high end because I do think the market can bear it. And I think Jack is is really the only company out there that has the right to claim 
that high-end title. Right. And, and something we didn't talk about on the last show that I think is just important to bring up, there's a lot of multimillionaires in this hobby. A lot. Mm-hmm. I've been to their homes. I've seen the cars they drive. They make my meager one-bedroom look pretty <laughs> sad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine this scenario. And then talk about, op- you know, we're talking about opportunities. And I agree with you. Imagine if Jersey Jack said, we're only going to make 1,000 of each game, right? 1,000. Mm. I can manage that production. There's going to be 250 LEs. There's going to be 250 premiums and 500 pro versions. And that's it. You know, and we're going to make yeah. one game a year at that volume. And that's it. That's all we're ever going to make. And then you really make the LE special. And look, he could charge... We're going to do $15,000 per LE of this theme you want. Let's say Toy Story, $15,000 for one of the 250 LEs. But that LE is going to come with this toy you're not going to get on any other version of the game. They would sell out. They would. People are throwing money at like Alien for $12,000 and the game's like was originally $6,000. Yeah. Yeah. Simply simply because it's limited and it's got stuff in it that is, is exciting to them. So look, I think you're right. Do you think he'll do it, though, Dave? Like He feels stuck trying to be big. I, I think Jack is chasing the wrong prize, right? Like, <clears throat> if Jack – I mean, it's easy to sort of say this from afar, but I, I think Jack is too close and he's too emotionally invested in the company. I mean, it's, it's got his name on it, for goodness sake. Like, he's he, – he needs someone to kind of come in and say, like, look, you're not – you need to focus like you're not competing with stern you're not doing stuff for the operators even though you love them like you are like sideshow collectibles like you are a high-end collectible company um and you have all this innovation you can charge more and people will pay um but you got to sort of lower the runs and sort of stick to your knitting I think there's an opportunity to do that, um, but I think it has to come from someone outside the company that Jack trusts, right? Because I think he's too he's too close to it to, to see on his own. But is he already – I guess the, the question I have, Dave, is he already made a huge mistake in having that big factory, having all those parts? Like, it's like he's, he's scaled up in a way that has, I think, made it hard for him now to sort of – shrink you know his his mm. like his, and become that high end boutique yeah that's a great point that's a great question i don't that's a great question or could uh, he or or yeah. could he could he with the higher pricing would he make up enough of the margin to make it more viable right i mean see to me jack is stuck i mean when you look at the fact that he priced wizard of oz at $6500 initially you have to really scratch your head and wonder what was he thinking. Yeah. And he almost openly admits that it cost him around that just to make the game. Like the with no profit, no you know, that that's the 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 bill of materials to make Wizard of Oz was like sixty five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I mean <clears throat> he felt he needed to do it for either entering the market or like I could see Jack being passionate. Like I'm going to expand pinball. And part of doing that is keeping these games affordable. But I think, I think he's eased off that, right? Like no one would accuse Jack's new games uh, as being inexpensive, right? Like those price points have come up. Um, 
So I don't know. Like, <clears throat> but do you think do you think someone at Ferrari says you know I want to expand people who buy cars, and like and they do right? They get people to lust after owning a Ferrari, right? Mm. But they're not trying to compete with Honda. They're not trying to compete with Mercedes even. Jack, I, I agree. Like he, it's like he just doesn't want to accept lower volume, higher price, premium nature of pinball. Yeah, but but it's funny. Like he really is the only company. Like Stern, I I don't believe Stern is capable of going to the high end. I mean, they've certainly tested the pricing strategy. But to your point, like. Beatles with a new certificate is not necessarily a high-end <clears throat> machine. Like Jack has really proven to be the only one sort of capable of making sort of a premium experience. Um, so why he feels the need to sort of chase after the middle of the market where Stern plays, like... Uh, I, it's, I, it's, it's so ironic, it's, right? Because yeah. Jersey Jack fails to understand who they really are as a company and, and the premium nature of that company. Ironically, that leads to low volume of sales for him, right. which right. is where he should be. But he's not making the margins on those games because he's priced—he hasn't priced them like they're a true collectible. Because he he has these arbitrary numbers of a thousand LEs, and then we make another edition of an LE, and then it's so it's weird because then you see his games on the secondhand market, and all of a sudden this premium game is losing value faster than a Stern machine. Yeah, totally. Crazy. Like, and yet a, Stern, Stern, Stern is playing Jersey Jack's game and winning at it, I selling know. out of $9,000 LEs before they even show the game. Jack's got to be saying to himself, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Like, what if Jack, what if he, he goes out to Hollywood and he signs up a bunch of licenses, right? Like, let's say by some miracle, he's like, I've got Jaws, I got Back to the Future, I, I, <laughs> I got Harry Potter or whatever. He lines up a bunch of licenses that, you know, presumably resonate. Like what do you think he could kind of go to the market and say, all right, I'm just making premium machines. There's just one edition. I'm capping this at 3000 machines and I'm never going back again. And, you know, it's 15 grand a pop or 20 grand a pop. And the way he picks up the volume is like he does the 3000 run of Jaws stops moves on to back to the future and, and so on so in that model he's going up market he's capturing more margin but also sort of acknowledging that he can't produce at scale <laughs> like like stern um, right. and building in sort of the exclusivity of a limited run like do you think that would work as a marketer yes but i would significantly lower the volume and, and I'll explain why, because as I was saying, when we were talking about Stern, I, I think 3,000 is like a tremendous sales figure for a title nowadays. I would I would lower it and I would raise the price more. I, I Again, I think the sweet spot, because remember, if, if he's becoming a premium high-end collectible, 3,000 of them is not collectible. Right. So you have to sort of try and find that magic formula of... How many is just enough where there's not too many out there? Because then I've saturated the market and I'm no longer premium. I'm no longer high-end. I'm no longer a collectible. But I can't charge too much because then, you know, for every, for every 
ten, you know, every thousand dollars more, I'm 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 limiting the the potential buyer base, right? I, I think what Jack should do, but again, like theme matters too, right? We haven't talked, Dave. Like when you start to get into the like theme, like a very limited run of Star Wars would generate more money than a very limited run of Big Trouble in Little China, just based upon popularity of theme. And forget it, like Harry Potter, you, you know, you, you, you've... that's the other thing too, is it's always funny to me that people treat pinball like movie tickets. Right. No matter what the sure. theme is, it's a $9,000 LE. Right. Right. What? Why? That's... There's way more demand for Ghostbusters. So... <laughs> Like I, I think personally, I think a thousand total of any run is the perfect amount for a Jack to to do it right, and then move on to the next title. Yeah, um, I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So any other weaknesses of Jersey Jack before we go on to the opportunities? Because we're kind uh, of mixing the two together, which is only natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I, I think opportunities is a is a great place. To go next, like uh, I, I think we we definitely agree that Jack is certainly capable, whether or not he's interested. He's certainly capable of sort of owning the high end of the collector market, right? Um, I think that's true. Um, what about like so? We in the last podcast we talked a little bit about how Stern's talent pool is aging, right? From like an engineering uh, perspective, one thing that I actually think Jack has done really well maybe inadvertently is it seems like he's sort of developed a little bit of a informal mentorship program under Pat Lawler, right? Or at least we're, we're led to believe that. Like, I wonder if Jack is actually investing, which is really smart if he is in sort of developing that next tier of engineering, that, that sort of like um, that grassroots Bush league, if you will. Um, and I wonder if it makes sense and, and if it's an opportunity for Jack to kind of create a mentorship program under Pat Lawler, who is a legend and super talented. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think that's something they tackle? It, it makes total sense. Are they doing that now? Is there a, is sort well, of like, like Eric learning from Pat kind of thing and just increasing the amount of people that are able to study the craft underneath Pat's guidance? I, I don't think I don't think they formalized it, but I was specifically there was some articles talking about how Eric was sort of paired with Pat uh, for help, which it looked like they'd sort of developed an informal mentor relationship based on some of the press that we've seen, which made me think like, huh, I wonder if Jack has stumbled on to like an advantage here where, you know, he could use Pat to kind of train up the next generation of Pat Lawler. So I don't know. I thought I it think, was an opportunity. No, I, I think that's absolutely an opportunity. And I think we're seeing a similar thing over at Stern right now where, where Lyman Sheets is sort of becoming a mentor to the the new coding talent that they're bringing into the company. And he's sort of going to sit above them as sort of like a consultant mm. to have his hands in on multiple projects so guys can learn, um, you know, his secrets and, and, and how he makes his games so good. And I think the same can happen with Pat Lawler. The issue is with, <laughs> I always find it like, so imagine if you're a student at Stern and you're learning something, you can then go apply it. Right. I always, uh, what I'm afraid with Jersey Jack is like, you learn something and then it's like, well, we're a year away from the game that we already revealed. <laughs> 
and you know it's like you know it's, it's like it, it, it's like the the opportunities to apply what you're learning aren't happening frequent enough uh, because right. they're always behind they're always delayed everything just feels like it's happening in slow motion over there yeah i i agree that is the biggest problem and that i mean that would be another benefit from shrinking the run right whatever that magic number is a thousand two thousand whatever shrinking the run would <laughs> would be a way to kind of get out of that weird cycle they're in where like they're constantly behind um and chasing themselves so right yeah and, and i think too if you shrink the run you then I think you then like you create much more of an urgency and a fear of missing out on not getting one of those games, right? So then you start to, I think Jack starts to experience what Stern has experienced almost on every cornerstone title that Jack has never experienced this, where you actually sell out of your games Im immediately. And mm -hmm. then you only have to make five, like 250 of these LEs. You make them, you sell them, you make sure the quality's there. And then you're done. And then you're on to like the premiums and then you make those 250 and then you're then you're you're done within six months to a year and then you're on to the next and then the same hype happens and then once a year you deliver that cornerstone and i think you're yeah. good yeah um so what are the th what are the threats do we to yeah. to jersey jack pinball and we've yeah. talked about some of them and their weaknesses but yeah i i think of three like <clears throat> one is Manufacturing labor, I, I mentioned in my original note to you, like I, I do think sort of labor is Jack's greatest risk, and I think it's a threat to the business. Um, <clears throat> I think another threat is I think Jack's just trying to do too much at once, right? Like I think he suffers from lack of focus, and, and it comes back to sort of competing with Stern and experimenting about stuff for operators and, you know <clears> – <throat> trying a bunch of new technologies. I mean, Jack is a small business. Like he doesn't have the scale to be this distracted. And so I think that that is a threat to the company. And then maybe the last one is compared to Stern, who is private equity backed. Um, like who knows how much capital is in the bank at JJP um, to survive like an economic downturn. Like if, if the economy softens and people sort of pull back on these discretionary, super expensive purchases, like, I don't know, like, is their bank balance a competitive threat for the company? Like, it, it, I would be worried about that. Yeah. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, I do think the, the angel investor is just, it, it's kind of like his biggest strength, weakness and threat an opportunity like all in one it's like we know jack has a billionaire backing him which is a humongous benefit to have but it could end at any minute which is an incredible threat i think also to me the biggest threat for jjp is when they got into pinball you have to you know you have to remember the landscape when this company was created it was really just stern and and so you know they went after stern and they, they challenged stern but nowadays, there are so many competitors that are in the game at the same price point, you know, trying to put you know as much innovation as they can into their machines. So I think you know Jack is now fighting a war on multiple fronts, which I don't think he's, you know, as you talk about being distracted, if you know, I I think he's trying to 
secure his fortress on on so many different walls right now that uh, he they've got to be frustrated about like how do we pull through and succeed in this landscape? I, I do think they need to go up and be and and be who they should be, which is the premium company in the pinball industry, and not be ashamed by that. I think another threat, and this is something that. I really, I don't get this one, but I think a threat that he has is I do think there's a bit of shame that these companies feel for charging a lot for a premium product. And I think Hmm. the threat is that they listen to a lot of people on Pinside and they actually take feedback from someone who's not their customer. And they Hmm. start to feel that they're in this to expand pinball when that's bullshit like you're in this to make the best pinball machine you can and make money and succeed because if you don't do those things there is no expansion of pinball because your company goes out of business right and i think the th- a threat to them is I, I i think they're driven by this like altruistic altruistic drive and not like a smart marketing drive for how the company should be positioned. And 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 I think Dave like I just see that a lot. It's almost like people feel like you you're not allowed to ask $15,000 for a pinball machine. But yeah. yet I I go look at watches that cost $250,000 and you couldn't tell the difference between that watch and a watch that cost $10,000. Right. <laughs> but what, but only in pinball like it's like we 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 have to we we have to you know we have to be sort of like sensitive to pricing because not everyone can afford it, but fuck that. Like you're making a high end premium product, make it for the rich people. There's more than a thousand of them out there that collect pinball. Yeah. I I think, I mean, well, maybe the Beatles is the point where we get comfortable with that, you know, where Jack, but the game's not there. I mean, for Jack, he's Jack must look at the Beatles launch and and just grab a bottle of whiskey and, and, and cry himself to sleep. Right, right. Like, yeah, there's not much to it. No, I mean, it, like, literally, the Munsters will probably sell out of all of their LEs in one day and have half as much in it as Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's the true. TV show no one's cared about for like 40 years. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, anyway, all right. Yeah, so true. moving on to the, the, the 2019 sales and marketing for Jersey Jack pinball, right? Sure. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you, like the target buyer for Jersey Jack? Who is it? Well, I'll tell you. Who like, should it be? I, I love Jersey Jack. Like, And if I were them, like, I would basically say Stern has the distributor channel locked up and we are going to focus on the collector, right? And so if you look specific look at sideshow collectibles which does like high-end action figures and busts and and stuff like that they have distribution channel but they go direct to consumer and you know they will charge like seven eight hundred dollars for like an action figure of the black widow or whatever from avengers and it's licensed brands it's very high-end um and i think jack would be smart to kind of look at a company like Sideshow Collectibles and say, like, that's my model. Like, I am not going to chase operators as much as I love them. Um, I am not going to sort of try to outbuild Stern's distribution network. I'm going to focus on the collector, and I'm going to focus on selling a high-end collectible to those people. It won't be exclusive. Like, I will still support, you know, distributors, 
but I'm going to make that product available direct and um, I'm not going to be afraid to kind of raise the prices. Like I think that is the play. Um, yeah. For yeah, Jack. We, yeah. I, I think we agree a hundred percent on this. And, and I think it's, as we went through the SWOT analysis, I, I think that's what the future holds for Jersey Jack is less is more, right? seems to be the theme for this company. Can, they can, can I ask they you can, a question? Yep. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, go on. Like, if you were in charge of their theme strategy, like original themes versus license, what's the right mix, what do you mix, what do you go after? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I would not do any original themes. I'm, 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 if I'm them, uh, not, not now. I mean, a caveat I would have is, and this, this is going to sound crazy, but if you had someone like John Papadou circa 2012 and I'm Jersey Jack, mm-hmm. yeah, like hiring a J-pop to do one of his crazy original themes would sound like a good idea if from the very beginning you were making a high-end collectible that was based on a John Papadou idea. Mm. I, I could see that kind of working, but that ship has sailed and we, we will never get back there uh, in, in this hobby. Um, so I would just, look, it, the themes that work, they're the themes that have normally nostalgic and emotional appeal to your mm. target audience, which I would put 40 to 60-year-old white males are mm. buying these things. Um, probably, I would even say, too, if you're going to go collectible and high-end, you're a little bit older in that demo, too. I, I think you're looking at 50 to 65 yeah. as being my, my target. So I'm then looking at movies from the 80s maybe yeah. late 70s, mid, mid to late 70s. And I'm all in on those franchises as much as I can. Yep. And yep. and I would do whatever it would take to get stuff like, you know, Ghostbusters is a great one. Um, I would look at Back to the Future. I would look at Top Gun. I would look at some of the yep. Arnold Schwarzenegger movies that we haven't had a pin on. Um, I definitely think music, and we're going to see Guns N' Roses from Jersey Jack. So I think that's going to be a, a, a gangbuster hit for them. Um, but are there any bands left over that are big that people are, have been waiting to see a, a pinball machine on? So, you know, the thing is this, or the challenge is, is that Stern gobbles up these themes so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but who out there wouldn't rather have a Star Wars pinball machine from Jersey Jack versus Stern? And I wonder too, Dave, the question is, well, would, do they have, how long does Stern have an exclusive on a theme? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I bet it's about five years is my guess, right? On, on average. So, I, so do the, do they have? Okay, so then imagine this because I've said this on my last show. But what if Jersey Jack could go make the Lord of the Rings pinball their version, right? Or yeah. go make, you know, Star Wars. Uh, Force Awakens, right? Start with the new franchise that still pulls people into the Star Wars world. I don't know if Stern has a, oh, a complete Disney, you know, Star Wars exclusive contract, which I doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's a great point. I, well, I, <clears throat> I think you and I have both worked in licensing, and I think we both know that oftentimes those agreements, the licensors want the terms to be as short as possible so they can go sell it to somebody else. So, like, it's probably, like, five to seven years, maybe, like, on that initial <clears throat> license, probably with the right to renew after right. that. But but you're right. The other thing that's true is that licensors 
they split licenses very finely, right? It's why you see so many people making Avengers action figures or why you see so many people making Batman stuff, right? Like they, they will, they will thinly slice those licenses of Batman 66 versus classic versus the dark Knight versus whatever. So yeah, there probably is a play to go to Disney and say like, well, Stern has star Wars, but we'll take the new franchise. Um, So a question I have for you with theme is Jersey Jack seems completely hell bent on only doing family friendly themes. Yep. When when your when your buyer is a forty to sixty year old man who probably drinks heavily and buys pinball, <laughs> do you think that's smart? Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the low hanging fruit is what you described the the eighties, uh, late seventies to eighties movies and and television franchises. Like that is the low hanging fruit. You're absolutely right. I do think there is room for additional properties, right? Like, so I think Wonka will do very well and it, and it doesn't fit in that cohort. I, you'll, you'll think I'm crazy, but even stuff like DuckTales or, you know, um, classic Star Trek television series, or you could even try like a Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, even as you, I, I read this here in your notes, and I was well, like, I I hope, I, I'm just too. trying to save you, Dave, the embarrassment of actually. Well, our... It's very kind. <laughs> very kind. I, well, I mean, look, this is a 50 year old white male that probably has a, a wife and kids in the house, right? And so, you know, there there is some appeal. You've said it before, like, honey, can I buy, you know, uh, Alice Cooper or can I buy Wizard of Oz? Like there is some halo effect of, of properties that cross generations, but but it's tough. It's tough to buy those properties. But like no, who I, would have predicted Big Lebowski, Chris? I mean, how random was that IP? Right. No, totally. And 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 it was executed so well, but I, I could definitely see people saying like it's not a, it doesn't jump off the page as being like a, a great theme for pinball. Um, but they did such a good job integrating the movie into that machine. Um, and it, But again, I think, but it's the kind of movie that like guys love, right? It's got like a cult following with, with dudes in that age, that age bracket. Um, so look, there, the thing is this though, there, it, there's just a lot of really, really cool themes that you could do for pinball that I, that I think haven't even been touched. You know, one area that I just, I think blends music with family with pinball that could be completely awesome are, are Broadway shows that are timeless that have been around for decades. And you know, I would I would buy in a heartbeat if there was an Android Weber Phantom of the Opera pinball machine. Like I'm sure it'd be super expensive. Yeah. Well but, Cats of Starlight Express. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would start with Phantom and then I would go <laughs> To, you know, but but again, like it's just like again, if you're only going to make a thousand or five hundred of them, and see, this is where the pricing and theme and all this comes together. If you're Jack and your boutique, N- nothing is impossible to make into a pinball machine. It's just a matter of how much is, is it going to cost, right? So, let me let me let me present a scenario, Dave, and because no one's done this in pinball. Imagine if Jersey Jack actually did some market research on what would you like our next game to be, right? So it does like a little survey. Let's just say people say we would love to see Phantom of the Opera. And Jack goes and explores. Well, here's what it would cost. 
to get the original music with Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford and the way it should be made, it's going to cost me $5,000 to... What, that sounds way too high, but let's say it's $2,000 a machine for all the licensing fees that will be associated with making this game, right? Yep. If we're going to do it, you know, and I'm all the R&D, all that has to go into it, um, we're going to make 500, but they're going to be at $20,000. And you, you know, would, would people, would the market bear that? And would you guys be, you know, would you put down deposits that are non-refundable and securing your machine? And then we're going to make it, you know, I don't know, but you know, when you get boutique, you can start to become a lot more intimate with your customer base and your, your buyer base than if you're like a mass like Stern. So Stern doesn't need to do that. They will never do that. They will never let us know how cheap a license is or how expensive it is. But if Jack is only building a few hundred for rich guys who want unique games, he can start to to explore opportunities yeah. that would never even be available to someone like Stern because of, of their bottom line. I think that's a great point. I think it's a great point. And if you're only making a thousand, like who cares? Like as long as you can right. sort of lock that in, off off you go. Um, right. What do you think, Chris? Um, I was playing around with the idea of <clears throat> what if Jack did like a JJP certified used game program? Like, would it make sense for him as a businessman to sort of take some of the money out of the resale market? And basically capture that on his side, where where he could say like, "Hey, if you want to sell your game, you know, back to us, or we created a portal where you could market your game for folks looking to buy them." Like, do you think it would make sense from him, uh, you know, for him as a business person to kind of do similar to like what the car companies do with like a certified used game program? Like, right. what do you think of that? I think it's a nightmare. I'll tell you why. Because what's certified used cars, you can drive the car to the dealership when you trade it in. You can't drive a pinball machine to Jack's factory. You have to ship it. Um, I also just think that, I mean, selling refurbished games is interesting, right? And and I, I just... I, I just see more of a headache though for them trying to do that because we're, the reason why car dealerships do it is because then they make all the money on, on, on the service of that pre-owned car. So they're they're willing to certify, but they also know you're going to be coming back time and time again for oil changes and, and other things for that certified pre-owned car. So it's in BMW's interest to keep people in the BMW family, right? And, and it just makes people feel good. Like I have something that's used, but it feels new because of this new warranty I'm getting with, with the car. Yeah. I, I think with used pinball, you'd be hard to see them offer like extended warranties on stuff just because pinball machines, they, they take so many different varying degrees of abuse um, that I would rather just sell the machine and have it out of my hair after a certain amount of time. I think Jersey Jack and Stern, we didn't talk about like customer service, but I think they both do a good job of, of taking care of their customers even long after warranties expire. I think yeah. both of those companies uh, do a terrific job of that. So, But I, I, I would try to make as much money as I can on the upfront sale and then, you, and then put that profit back into R&D on the next game yep. and into the bank and let it grow. That, that's great. Yeah, that, that's cool. Do you think there's – do you think uh, – it's a no brainer. Like a lot of those collectible companies, like when you buy direct from them, you can either buy the thing outright or you can do a payment plan, right? Like sometimes over like a year 
of payments for like the really high ticket items. Do you think it makes sense for Jack to sort of have a model of a payment plan to try to broaden the net? Or do you feel like if he goes high end, he's going to be able to sell stuff at 15, 20K straight yeah, away? Yeah. No, no. Not? Well, it's interesting, right? Because some of these pins are now becoming as expensive as cars, but there's no financing available for the most part, right? I mean, you can't finance through a manufacturer, right? There's, there's right. nobody that offers that. And I, I think it's good and bad. I think it's good for, I, I want to say like it's good and bad, but I ultimately think you get a lot of people who shouldn't be buying pinball machines that would rationalize making that kind of financial decision, which would financially probably be terrible for someone who would start financing a pinball machine and paying interest on something like a pinball machine. But it would definitely bring more people through the door. And if you're charging more, and and here's the thing, if it's a collectible and it's a theme, Dave, that I know I'm never going to sell, right? I'm a Back to the Future fanatic. This game's going to be bolted to my floor and I, it's $15,000. I would feel a lot better about... I'm on a three-year payment plan of five thousand a year on it because I know yep. I'm never going to sell it. Yep, yep, yeah. It's interesting. I he can definitely go up market. It might be interesting to to play around with a payment a payment plan option, even if it's just like three or four payments, just to see like what percentage of the buyer base takes advantage. Yeah, why not? Why yeah. not experiment with it? Cool. Let's see. Any other pricing and distribution? So pricing for Jack, we've talked a lot about it. We think he should go up market. We think there's yep. opportunities here for him to sort of limit the distributor model and become more of a direct sale to consumers, which, which I agree with. Let's talk about their marketing strategy. So is there anything, as we think about the way Jersey Jack markets their games to people that they <laughs> should they should change or they could do better like what, what are your thoughts on how jersey jack like markets its games to the world yeah well i i think if they sort of come to terms with we are a a high-end collectible direct-to-consumer company like if they come to terms with that and sort of own that then it would make sense for the marketing strategy to really be focused on you know, direct to consumer. So basically very heavy investment in social, heavy investment in the community. You know, in that model, you release, um, you know, new releases to your community first, right? You don't go to a show. You don't go to TPF. Like you actually do drops um, online directly to, to your community and like you incent folks to join that community to kind of hear the latest and greatest. And so, if they are comfortable and accept the fact that they are a high-end direct-to-consumer, if you look at companies like that, um, Sideshow Collectibles, Lionel Trains, Kid Robot, even Funko to some degree, they have a direct-to-consumer relationship and they foster it. And that is the community that they sell to and they go to them first. And I think it's, it's a yeah. really good point because if you look at pinball companies, none of them really have any community tab on their websites where it's a forum that is run by the company right. you know and and so what we get is pinside which is really just a royal rumble like troll fest because you've got everyone 
picking sides and jumping into other companies' threads and just to stir the pot. And when you look at like let's use like Lego or like Funko, like 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 Lego. Lego is a great company that's built a community of of of, of followers that they deal directly with. I, mean, I know this because my my nephew is huge into Lego. And my twin brother is a VIP Lego member, right? <laughs> and that sure. means he gets access to the new Lego items like the limited edition Millennium Falcon when it comes out. Yeah. And so they go to those VIPs first and they directly sell to them and they get more incentives the more they you know, buy products. Um, and I think that's smart for Jersey Jack. I, I, look, I, you know, it, it's painful as we say all this stuff because it just makes so much sense, Dave. And yet they're doing it completely differently and 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 they're failing at it like it's like literally the model's not working for jack well chris you nailed it like they are competing on too many fronts um and in terms of the business and now like there's all this other competitive noise coming on but if they really sort of took that high end of the market which they're entirely capable of like i have two kids i used to belong to the lego club every quarter I got a magazine from Lego like once every quarter that there wasn't much to it, but you got some sort of like rare exclusive collectible about it. And I was willing to pay for that. And so can you imagine if you got like a quarterly sort of like lightweight sort of magazine with some behind the scenes stuff from Jersey Jack and you had some kind of like, you know, rare exclusive, um, thing for one of their titles or like an, a neat topper enhancement or, or you yeah, know something yeah. like how many people would sign up for that subscription club right Absolutely. which is basically people paying for market paying to be marketed to right these like, companies going around to these shows as seeing these shows is the only opportunity to create interactions with customers it's foolish and, and you know and even what they're doing on like Facebook and social media doesn't work very well. They would you think Dave that Jersey Jack someone should send this podcast to them. I really do. I believe they can get a lot of valuable info. Do you think they should just call a timeout in January when they get back to work after the holidays and just say like what are we doing? <clears throat> like what is the strategy moving forward that we're at a crossroads like we are either going to go forward in the right direction or we're going to continue doing what we do and we're going to ultimately fail yeah yeah dude i i think that's right like i think i mean this is usually when companies sort of plan their their next year's plan and so you know as jack's away for the holiday and thinking about 2019 like I honestly do think, like in January, they pull people in and <laughs> and have that conversation. And I really do believe they are uniquely positioned to take the high end, and the opportunity is right in front of them. And they presumably have some great licenses to kind of take advantage of that um, coming right, right so, up. Right? Yeah, because like, but here's what I here's what here's what I I bet is going on in their head. Well, we. We just need to get to those themes and it all work out, right? And that's I know that's what they're thinking, right? And then it, everything will just become roses, and 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 they're going to sell five thousand units of each one, and and that may be true, you know. And but I just don't think it's it's a long term viable solution to just you know pray for a game to be a hail mary pass with sales when 
it's still because those games are still not going to solve their production problems. It's still not going to solve all the other problems that have plagued every single JJP launch will still be there when we get to these titles, right? hundred percent. And they're permanently behind the eight ball too on, you know, sort of what they promised and, and what they delivered. Um, so here's the rumor. They're going to reveal their next game at TPF. Okay. I will bet you right now, everyone who listens to this show, if Jack reveals the next game at TPF, that game is not going to ship to customers before fall right. at the earliest. Right. And he's going to do it once again. He's going to like show early Months are going to go by without any production. He, they just started production on Pirates. Yeah. They, I, yeah. So, all right. Yeah. So, what else from it? You, you had some here about operation efficiencies with Jersey oh, Jack Pinball. Sure. I, what do you I mean, think are some operation efficiencies they can do? Yeah. Well, to your point, like they just started Pirates. They had promised it a year ago. They're way behind the eight ball. Um, and and the market's moving on them, right? And so they either have to ramp production to to sort of get through that pirates backlog as fast as possible, or <laughs> cut it short, right? And so I, I I think from an operational perspective, like we've talked about this before, in the short term they have to sort out their contract labor manufacturing, like all stop like that that's probably a number one issue um it might be interesting to basically i mean i think they have a small office in illinois where, where pat works out of but like maybe look at opening a manufacturing facility somewhere in the midwest like ohio iowa michigan somewhere where the cost of uh labor is low, much lower than New Jersey and somewhere where, you know, they can tap sort of a town pool that maybe used to make cars or steel or whatever. So like maybe one way to kind of get out from behind this eight ball is to ramp manufacturing um, somewhere where it's cheaper to live, like the Midwest. The other play, which I'd love to hear your thoughts on is maybe you merge with Chicago gaming, right? um to ramp production like maybe that is a play you make or american pinball for that matter but you know maybe you reach out to those guys and say like look discretionary spending is going to dry up by 2020 um there's going to be consolidation in the market the market can't support all these manufacturers people are going to drop off let's merge now before that happens so we're stronger for it and and maybe look at chicago gaming for their manufacturing capability right uh, I mean, what do you let think? me ask you a question i, I think yeah. it's really interesting because I, I do i think you're onto something who has the better manufacturing capabilities out of chicago <laughs> gaming american pinball and jersey jack well, I'm going to guess Chicago. I'd love to hear your, your perspective. I'm going to guess Chicago because I, I may be wrong, but weren't they doing contract manufacturing or at least some element of contract manufacturing for Stern previously? Well, Stern made Medieval Madness and then Chicago Gaming took it in-house. So I I guess the question I have is like, like who's got the best factory to like make yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff and make it efficiently and and I it's hard too because right it's not apples to apples and what people are manufacturing there's different levels of intricate like intricacies with the games and I do think making a jersey jack game is really hard on 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 the on the line workers 
probably harder than American pinball. Um, but I, here's what I think is you're on to, which is smart. And I'll use a car argument to, to <laughs> car companies merge all the time. They all still make cars, but there's a reason why Lamborghini is owned by Audi. And there's a reason why they both th thrived when they merged. They could share trade secrets that didn't cannibalize each other's market. And so if Jersey Jack goes up market and says, hey, we're going to be the twelve to $20,000 game, American Pinball... You know, you want to be within like the seven to eight and then Chicago gaming, like you're going to do remakes. Yeah. Like none yeah. of us are really competing for the same like market per se. Now, it probably makes the most sense for Jack and Chicago gaming to merge, right? Because remakes and then super high end games, worlds apart. That's Just right. Worlds That's right. apart. That's right. So... I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think you're right. There's going to have to either be some sort of merging uh, and, and sharing of development costs on things that makes no sense to each company to be absorbing it themselves. Yeah. And I think totally agree on on where labor happens. Like, why build if again if you're Jack and you're building New Jersey, it's more expensive. And to your point, when you when you sent me your first note, Dave was. For him to get talent to live like an obscure town in New Jersey and he's going to have to pay people more to make that commitment, that only works if you go up market because then you can do those things because you're charging more for the product. That's exactly right. I, he is in a pickle in that he's got to ramp the production. I think he's having a hard time doing that in Jersey. Um, It'll help if he goes up market for sure because he can hire more people and like you know or pay them more. Um, but yeah, I I do think it is a fact. Well, I shouldn't say a fact. It seems fairly certain that Jack is having manufacturing issues because he's way behind. Um, and I also would assert that you know uh, we probably will hit an economic downturn in the next couple of years, and there's a lot of pinball companies chasing a finite number of buyers in a really small market. And so it would be really clever for Jack to reach out to somebody else and be like, can you imagine if he merged with Chicago or American Pinball or whomever? And like how that would make the other manufacturers feel, the right. smaller ones, right? Like that would really send a shock through. What through about be clever. Stern? acquiring Jersey Jack pinball to just be their high end. Of it. They would never do it. But like, if you really wanted to like send everyone in a tailspin, well, you like, and we'll, we'll get to them on a, on a later episode. But what's crazy is, you know, if I'm Jack and I'm trying to figure these moves out and then you got like deep root coming out, uh, coming out of nowhere, right? Like who knows what's going to happen over there. You've got, um, there's even more companies coming you know, into the pinball fold. I mean, there's rumors that uh, what's the uh, raw thrills is going to get into pinball. Yeah. Next. And, and, yeah. The and pinball. they have manufacturing down and they have distribution down and Jack's yeah. in trouble. I mean, I like, let's, let's do our conclusion on Jersey Jack. Cause we're, we're again at an hour. So we're, we're going to do one per show and we're going to, yeah. but what, what is your overall conclusion about Jersey Jack moving yeah. into 2019? And if you give them advice, Yep. You know, what yeah. are your thoughts? 
Man, I, I lo- again, I love Jack. And, um, I, I, I think for them, I would say, Jack, you know, as you look at 2019, the first thing you got to do is focus, right? You're not competing with Stern. You're not going after operators. You're a high-end, direct-to-consumer collectibles company, and you should act like one, right? And so organize your efforts around that high-end collector. Um, maybe you reduce the number of SKUs. It changes the way you market, you invest in community, you raise your prices, but like that's where you play and you have every right to play there and you deserve that mantle and you should grab it before someone else does. And so focus your efforts on that. I think the second thing is fixing the scaling issues, right? Like specifically manufacturing, maybe you build, i.e. somewhere in the Midwest, or maybe you buy and merge with like American or Chicago or someone like that. But, but you have to be able to scale manufacturing and you have not proven you can do that yet. And then I think the last thing, Chris, um, really lean into innovation, right? Like Stern has sort of conceded innovation to Jack. Jack seems super passionate about it. Um, so, you know, doing Wi-Fi connectivity with auto updates on the machine seems like a no-brainer. Um, <clears throat> you could potentially do – There's there are high-end <laughs> stroller companies that build support apps um, for their owners where if, like, you buy this, like, $2,000 stroller, you download an app, and, like, there's an SOS button that you press and you have a live stream with a support rep who will show you how to fold the stroller. Um, if you get stuck and, you know, Jack could potentially invest in a higher end support experience around these games to kind of help justify that price if he feels he has to. Um, People would just don't... press that button every day and be like, this code sucks. <laughs> well, all right, forget the button. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, focus, scale, innovation. I, I think that's where Jack has to be in 2019. But He's too distracted. He's fighting on too many fronts. Right. To your point, I, what would you I, I agree. I agree with all that. My 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 fear is that they've probably signed like a twenty year lease on a factory that's set up to compete with Stern. I think that he's. I I, I think that for some reason Jack is just like this is how we're doing stuff and we're not going to like change. And and by that I mean everything it's just like we've got the lcd that's this big we've got wide body we've got this it's like everything is just like we're gonna keep plowing forward even if the ship has has hit land and and we're gonna keep going until we hopefully hit more water somewhere and and i think that's sort of like the approach and and I want them to succeed more than any other company because I've always felt this way. I don't feel like most of these new pinball machines are magical or special or worth the money. And I do think that Jersey Jack's machines are the closest thing um, to that machine that I think we all love and want and have in our imaginations. But the fact that I've never owned a Jersey Jack machine just goes to show that the company that is how they're always like so close, but yet so far away from getting me to want to buy one. Yeah. And and they need to get over that. And it's not hard. And I think they need to get a real marketing team in place. I think they need to start to change course in how they're thinking about the number of games they make in terms of how much they're going to price these games. These are all marketing decisions. These are not... these. This, Pat 
Pat Lawler shouldn't make that decision. Keith should not make that decision. It's a marketing decision. Yeah, you're, and I you're think, right. and I think they have the ability to do it. I think if they bite off less, they will do better. I think if they focus on less distractions and, and less volume and go quality over quantity, this company will turn a corner like no other. And and I'd ra- if I were Jack, I'd rather be seen as the Rolls Royce of pinball instead of you know trying to compete with the mainstream company that I can't possibly win. Right. That's right. Right. He he's an Acura. Right. Like <laughs> kind of premium, but not really. Exactly. And he, and yeah. he can't. But he doesn't have Honda as the parent company backing him. Right. Exactly. You, you know, Chris, like it, it, I, I work in the software industry and, and I think you know this too, like oftentimes software companies will do a board of customer advisors where it's like, hey, let's get five to eight of sort of our best representative sampling of our customer base um, and do sort of like quarterly NDA super secret briefings and get their feedback. So we'll, we'll basically use them as a proxy for the market. Like, I think it'd be very cheap and easy for Jack to just spin up a board of customer advisors and like go to you, right? And like find a couple of folks on Pinside and be like, look, we want to reveal the plans on a quarterly or like a half year basis. And what do you think under NDA? Like, what should we be doing? Like that would, I think that would really help them a lot. I've offered, I've offered my services. And you know, they get it for free though, Dave. They, this podcast, like seriously, if you know anyone at Jersey Jack Pinball and you're not sending them this podcast, be like, hey, maybe you should just listen to these guys. They're actually not out of control, like ignorant fools. Like we both work for successful companies and are very successful in our, in our rightful fields. And I, and I say this and I'm not being a jerk. You know who's not successful in, in, in the business they're in? Jersey Jack right now. And if you want to help them, they need to yeah. listen and change course. Now, I know I've said this all the time too, but when you have a billionaire buddy floating it all, it's like right now, Jersey Jack, someone at Stern said this to me, that Jersey Jack pinball is nothing more than a billionaire playing with toys. And the second he gets tired of playing with those toys, the company's done. Is that really the company that you, you know, that you feel good about running? Like they don't, I think the best day for Jack would be like, I no longer need your billionaire support. We're back in the green and like, I can take the company back. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. We'll see. We'll see. I, I hope he pulls it out. Well, Dave, this concludes our journey towards the second company, Jersey Jack Pinball. We will come back for another episode where we will go into Spooky Pinball. I'm just now going to concede the fact that we're probably just going to do one manufacturer per show, um, and we'll, we'll do it that way, but I think it's good. We're about a little over an hour, but I, this was a really good one. I think the, all these companies, no matter who... Look, we could go on about Home Pin for maybe 10 minutes, but like for most <laughs> of the companies, we could we could fill the airspace with, 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 with our opinions and our yeah. suggestions, and I think... For the listener out there, we want to see these companies give you the best pinball machines possible and succeed in their own area of pinball. But if they're all fighting for the same space, they're going to get killed by Stern. There's no way around that. I think that's right. I think that's right. And it's a lot of fun talking about it. And I suspect the home pin episode might be a little short, but uh, (laughs) just, just pack it in. 
Well, we there there will probably be like a half hour of laugh track that will be added in to the home pin episode, so that will, will draw it out a little bit. <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, and and we'll, we're going to do this again real soon. But I always appreciate uh, your insight and your uh, point of view on the pinball hobby. Thanks, uh, Chris. It's it's great talking to you, and I really appreciate the time. Awesome. We'll do it again soon. Cool.